0: I am always reminded of an incident that happened when Easter comes around because it happened on Easter break. I was a sophomore here at Mississippi State, you know, back in the Stone Ages, and I was home for Easter break. Back then it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Thursday you were off, or you went home on Thursday, you had Good Friday off. Anyway, I was home with some friends from high school. We were hanging out on Thursday night, had big plans for Good Friday, our day off, and uh, I was leaving a friend of mine's house and pulled out trying to pull out of his neighborhood and as i pulled out of his neighborhood i looked left looked right and started out by the time i looked right a car came around the turn because i didn't look left again or as i looked left again and pulled out (laughs) how you doing Um, i was greeted by a pickup truck right here like i was full on in the intersection and we got Literally, if you ever heard of my car being T-boned, that's what happened. It was a 19 I was driving a 1978 Delta 88. If you don't know what that is, think tank without the big gun. Big metal steel car, not bucket seats, bench seats front and back. Pre-seat belt law. So I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. So when I get hit right here, the car kind of does this thing. It literally folded like a V, by the way. And I went, like skipping a rock across a pond, I went skipping across the front seat of the car. And as the car turned this way and rolled down the embankment on the other side of the road, it hit me right here. You ever had the wind knocked out of you? That's what happened. But my mind immediately went to, I'm never going to breathe again. (laughs) I had no idea what was, you know, I, I, got, I just got broadsided. I had no idea why I couldn't breathe. It was literally just the wind getting knocked out of you. But if you've ever had that happen to you, you know, you literally cannot draw a breath. And when you get hit by a car and you can't draw a breath, panic sets in, okay? So the car is like down the side of the embankment. I'm looking up the driver's side, out to the driver's side window. And I'm just laying there going, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And this poor, unsuspecting neighbor who saw the crash or heard the crash or whatever comes over through the car and looks down the car at me. And I look up at him and I go, I can't breathe. (laughs) Can you imagine what he felt? (laughs) Like, I'm panicking. Now he's panicking, right? He runs off. And I'm laying there almost having this moment like, am I ever going to breathe? And I finally, you know, how you finally kind of catch your breath again after the wind's been knocked out. I'm like, Okay. Now I can breathe, that basic is check, what else? So I started checking my body after that, I'm like, I can breathe, let's go on to the rest of the basics here, you know, am I bleeding anywhere, what's happening? It was a complete freak out moment. And what's ironic about this is, because I was such a good driver, I was on my second car, and, um, but I, my first car was a 1966 Mustang, pretty sweet, and I had, messed that up enough, and wrecked that enough, and got enough speeding tickets, and my dad wisely had taken that power horse away from me, and given me the tank, which probably saved my life, right, because this is, if I'm hitting a little bitty Mustang when I get trucked like that, it's a different ball game than this big steel barred contained behemoth I was driving, but I was still pretty freaked out. It was a pretty dark day. I didn't, I was like, I remember, I remember getting to the hospital later, and like, it was at St. Dominic's in Jackson, and so this little nun comes into my er waiting bay or whatever and i just broke down i'm not catholic but i just saw her and i was like jesus you know i just i just i lost it i lost it i'm alive i'm here there's a symbol of god i just went oh i connected i mean i was like thank you jesus yeah i just lost it right there in the er it was it was it was scary because i did not know why i can't breathe now that first sunday morning the people of god the disciples of jesus have been walking with him Talking with him, having lunch with him, having fish on the beach with him, hanging out with Jesus himself. And I know we wish we could do that, right? And then the authorities come and take him away and execute him. Their problem a little bit bigger than mine, their emotional pain a little bit bigger than mine, but they had lost their Messiah. They have lost Jesus. And so they're obviously in mourning. The disciples are freaked out because they assume they are next. Peter has freaked out and denied him because he didn't want to be executed with him. They're locked in an upper room somewhere where the authorities can't find them, hiding out, wondering what's going to happen next because now Jesus is gone. This is Matthew chapter 28. It's a Matthew account of Jesus' resurrection. That's happened. It's a dark day. Their hope has been stolen. They're in emotional loss of pain of their dearest friend and Messiah. They don't know which way to turn. But on on that Sunday, we get this. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. And indeed, he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. Then you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Darkest moment in history. They go to the tomb. There's an earthquake. There's an earthquake. There's an angel, bright as lightning. The the, the guards fall over like they're dead. The angel pushes the stone away and sits on it, like, glad that's over. And the women come to this tomb and they're like, wait, what is going on here? What is happening? And the angels, like angels do, what do they say? Don't be afraid. Earthquake, lightning-like appearance, stone being miraculously walked away. Don't be afraid. How are you not afraid? How are you not stressed out? How are you not worried? Don't be afraid. He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Go and tell the disciples. It was their darkest day and hour and month and week. You know the writer J.R. Tolkien coined a, fr- a word. J.R. Tolkien coined a word. It's called this: eucatastrophe. catastrophe. You ever heard that? You ever heard that word? EU catastrophe. He made up the word, which basically means this. It is a sudden turn in a story, a happy moment in the story that pierces with joy and fills your eyes with tears. It is the moment in the literature that you're reading, the the Harry Potter book, the Tolkien book, whatever the movie you're watching, and it looks like the hero is toast. And there's a sudden turn in the story that brings relief. The redemption happens, the big thing happens happens. The transformation takes place and everything becomes happy and filled with joy and peace. The Easter story is a new catastrophe. All of human history has gone to this moment, right? We've screwed it up big time. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. The whole world needs Noah and the flood to start over. Like you could follow through the Bible and it's like, we don't have it figured out. We lied again. We betrayed... Old Testament. Want the Old Testament in 30 seconds? The people of God decided to do their own thing. So-and-so invaded them. They turned to God. Everybody's happy. There's the Old Testament in 30 seconds, right? People of God over and over and over again have gone their own way until God's pulled them back or called them back. And right at their darkest moment, here comes David to beat Goliath or whatever. There's always this darkest turn. And then there's this catastrophe that happens and their hearts are filled with joy again. And I started out this by uh, sharing this Easter story this, that I had, I kind of left you hanging, like, Charlie's on the side of the car, he goes, had this brief moment. So I'm a college student at that time. I just trashed my Delta 88. How am I going to school on Monday? Walking from Jackson to Starkville, not a good prospect. We've been faster than following a log truck back in the day, but not good, right? Well, on Good Friday, my dad says, of course, my plans were all screwed up, too, right? And I had all those plans with my friends. My dad says, we have to go down to the car dealership because we got to work out something with the wreck. I'm like, okay. So we go down to the car dealership. I'm like, why are we going to the car dealership to work out the wreck? I didn't, I didn't understand, but you do what dad says. We get to the dealership. They have a conversation. I, he, they walk me to the backside of the car lot, and they go, you see that car right there? It's yours. Wait, what? (laughs) For free. A brand new. This will tell you how old I was. A brand new, 1991 Mazda 323. Um, That's not going to protect me from the next, (laughs) little hatchback thing. I mean, I think with wind, it would just pick up and take wings, you know. But it was mine. So Thursday, I'm scared to death. Friday, I'm wondering how I'm getting anywhere again. Friday afternoon, I have a brand new car. Now, was dad generous? No. We have no idea who supplied the car. It was a gift from somebody who knew I had trashed my most recent car. <laughs> I mean, somebody had provided an answer to the solution, provided the Easter miracle, if you will, provided this new car, this U-catastrophe! When my transportation needs were at their darkest, the story suddenly turned and my heart was full of joy. And then I went, there's no stereo in here. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) you know, and drive to Starville to Jackson, listen to the birds. This is great. It was a brand new car. I did not complain for five seconds. I did immediately invest in some stereo equipment, but it was one of those things was like, I never expected it. It was a sudden turn in the story. I certainly didn't do anything to earn it. Ask my driving record. You know. But here was this car provided. Well, the people of God are no different. the, The Marys, in this account, go to the tomb. Some pretty miraculous stuff happens. But when they're going to the tomb, they're going to the tomb at the darkest point of their life. They've been with their Messiah, and now they're not. And they're bringing the stuff that they bring to the tomb, the spices to worship and mourn their Savior, and earthquake, lightning beings sitting on a tomb and guards falling over is quite the catastrophe. It is quite the change in the story. Jesus, it, the sudden turn is Jesus is no longer dead. He is raised. And verse 8 tells us their hearts were, are now full of fear and great joy. They get the message, they get the turn in the story, they get the happiness, they get that, G- and they turn to tell the disciples. Their story has changed forever. But what we know about, about Easter is this. Jesus had to die to rise again. You see, the other part of the Yucato- this whole Eucatastrophe idea is there has to be a dark moment for there to be a bright moment. Right? The other way to think of the word eucatastrophe is the way he he called it was a good destruction. Tolkien said that. It's a good destruction is what a eucatastrophe is. Well, the cross was a good destruction. When Jesus died, Jesus had to die for our sins and we have to die to ourselves to be born again. We have to spiritually surrender. We have to spiritually lay down and die. Paul, The way Paul put it was, die to yourself, right? Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. Your own ego, your own kingdom, your own desires, your own plans, your own manipulations have to die for Jesus to be Lord. And when that happens, then you have all the same reasons to have joy and life that Jesus' disciples did on that first Easter. His followers were dead inside because Jesus was gone. And when he reveals himself on that Easter morning, they're made alive again. The story has changed forever. And if you can let yourself surrender, if you can die to yourself, then that moment is a good destruction too. That moment is a sudden turn in the story. That poor neighbor saw me at my most scared point in my life. I'm going to die. I cannot breathe. I mean, literally, I, I can still see the guys like, I can't breathe. <laughs> Panic. Oh, run, you know, <laughs> thanks for running away while I can't breathe. You know, CPR. You know, can't breathe. Dark moment. And that first breath was all kinds of new life, right? No transportation. Now transportation. Okay, Cool not having to pay for it, even bigger. <laughs> you know what I mean? This sudden turn in the story is not some spiritual accomplishment of mine. I was a bad driver. But spiritually, when we die to ourselves, the way he died for us, then Easter morning means we have life again too. We were lost. We were at our darkest. We were faced with a tragic, sinful end, except that Jesus lived, died, died. And was resurrected. And because of that, we have life too. The gospel is the ultimate catastrophe. The dark story is turned by the good destruction. And that in that moment, we have hope. We have life. And we have peace. That's the Easter story. That's the good news. That is the gospel. Now, what did they do when they found out about it? They ran off full of fear and joy to do what? To tell the whole world about that you catastrophe. Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. We were in mourning, we were in darkness, we were hurting, but now we are filled with joy. And we can be too. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know where our hearts are this morning. It's Easter, which means get dressed up and come to church. But we're all at different places in this spiritual journey you've put us on. Maybe some of us are at dark moments. Maybe some of us are at scared moments. Maybe some of us are at hurting moments. Let the dramatic turn of Easter fill our hearts. Because no matter where we are in our journey, no matter what we're suffering with, no matter what we're dealing with, that story turned because of what you did for us. And one day you will return again. And there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death because you are risen. Lord, we praise you for that truth. And we warmly invite the hope And light that comes from knowing that you are alive. Help us to live into that hope. In Christ's name.